this evening, I'd like to um, share with you some reflections on this area, this aspect of our experience and uh, this experience of, of thinking, of thought. And as always, it's kind of a big topic. And uh, so just hopefully some helpful reflections. Um, but also I thought that actually uh, a Dhamma talk is in some way an opportunity for awareness of, of thought, of thinking. Either that awareness of, of external, externally, you could say, so the, the speaking voice manifesting in some way uh, thought forms. Right? So, um, yeah, the mindfulness externally, um, but also in the process of listening and hearing, then the noticing of um, thought, thinking that might be arising, uh, you know, through through the time. So I thought, well, you know, that that could be in itself a, a, a helpful, interesting practice. So if you you wish. Mm. So um, I realized like um, last week the talk seemed to be crowded with a lot of images and image, imagery. And I think this week it feels, I realized I've come up with a, a, a quite a lot of just practical suggestions really. So I was like, oh, I hope that's, yeah. Well, anyway, that's, I guess, what's happened. Um, we'll see, see how it goes. A, a lot of things to share and I want to share from some um, suttas and I, I found this such a as often as you know when you take up a theme such a such a helpful and always uh, illuminating you know theme to consider that um, yeah the, the 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 part that thinking plays in our practice you know and in our life and so I think the main, for me, what came up with this particular talk was this sense of, 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 of an encouragement to, to bring awareness to that aspect of our experience. And, and I know that that, you, you know, it's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and I was, I was realizing, you know, how sometimes there's a way in which we can be... Uh, you know, unaware, the thought and thinking can be so habituated that actually there's more going on than we realize. And retreat obviously is such a great opportunity given the sort of more external quietness most of the time to to actually really see or hear or think. Um, get to know this this aspect of our experience of of thought or thinking and um, as always there's the sense that through bringing awareness and understanding and kindness there's a way that we can learn to relate more wisely to thinking you know whether it's 
that sense of sort of arising out of the the mind or the mouth of another or kind of, you know, going on more seemingly internally. Um, so that sense of how... Um, so awareness of thought as as a kind of um, then foundation or a kind of then we're more able to actually discern, you know, then what's skillful, what's unskillful, right? This, okay, what, what to follow, what not to follow, you know. Um, I sometimes think like the, the guidelines on what wise speech are quite helpful here because of course speech and thought and very much out of the same sort of sankara sort of area of the soup, you know, of or vaji sankara, verbal formations. That it's is is it based in kindness? You know, and, and how much of our internal dialogue is is you know, kind of, I think it's a really helpful thing to check out. Is it based in kindness? Is is it timely? (laughs) Some of the thinking is not particularly great or terrible or, you know, it's just like, really? Now? You know, it's that. (laughs) You really need to do that now? So the timeliness, the timeliness. Is Is it useful? You know, because sometimes it really is, and that's a whole other, I might address that tomorrow morning, but the sense of the usefulness of thought and the importance of its skillful use and uh, application in our life and in our, in our practice. So is it rooted in kindness? Is it, is it timely? Is it useful? And is it true? I mean, just as a, again, in terms of our sort of internal dialogues and, and our, again, a wise relationship to thought, so, isn't it, so much of our thought is so either slightly or very wrong or deluded or partial, like how much of our, you know, thinking about things is, is so, uh, yeah, faulty or you know, kind of incomplete. And so that the way again that we, we kind of talk to ourselves and yeah. So I think sometimes that's just using those um, kind of guidelines from, from right speech. So we can be um, maybe Maybe this, see if this sounds correct to you, that a lot, of, a lot of the time we're unaware of thought and that's where it's more likely that we get in trouble with it or because we, we're not aware of it. It kind of makes sense, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, so unawareness of thought is, is kind of really like a setup for, I don't know, suffering of some kind or, or another for ourselves or others, but awareness of thought, actually knowing what we're thinking while we're while it's happening, yeah. And then and then that that awareness opens again the space for discernment about you know appropriate 
sort of response, action, speech, you know. Um, so maybe that's a sort of another basic, just kind of key sort of practice pointer is that it's it's really worth um, kind of developing this or, you know, focusing on this purpose sometimes. Maybe not now, and again, as always, you know, you don't have to pick up on any of this, but I've found that just spending a specific, you know, period of time, just even a few minutes, kind of, okay, what kind of thoughts are around? And I know it's not all day, but just kind of, ah, okay, yeah, helpful. And I found this, um, I hope this is correct, I may hear from somebody if it isn't, but, um, from Ajahn Buddhadasa when he was asked um, for, yeah, what he thought about the, I think it was like the Western mind or something like that in the some of maybe the Western yogis that he'd encountered. And what he said was, lost in thought. I thought, wow, that was, you know, just sort of, looking kind of in that way and seeing that, uh, yeah, tendency very, very strong. I'd be in, yeah, different different cultures or different parts of the dominant culture. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of, there's a lot of, maybe, I don't know how you would locate it culturally, but like a stress on thinking and the importance of thought, the importance of thinking and words and and it feels like there's a kind of top heaviness in that and that's some, something I'm exploring at the moment is a sense of like what's lost when you are lost in thought and and in a way it's kind of, it's kind of obvious isn't it, you've lost everything you've lost everything else when you're lost in thought Right? Doesn't it have that really funneling, narrowing, tunneling kind of you know thing when you're just very separative, very suddenly there's this this small little world. Um, yeah. And and that tendency we have to um, believe believe our thoughts, yeah, follow them. Um, mm. Perhaps you can think of, of examples where, see, something recently where uh, I was listening to some some something. I was kind of anyway, and as I was as I was hearing it, I was thinking, "Well, that doesn't sound right. That's wrong." And like what I realised, fortunately, like a microsecond later, was, "Wow, I obviously have a different opinion." <laughs> Like I hadn't realized that this very different world view or view of something was like, it kind of rose up and I was like, what? <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's great. That's great. It's like just in that moment, it kind of exposed a, a view that I didn't even realize I had. You know, and that, that way that maybe, the, the, yeah, there's just a lot that's unconscious or, you know, just slightly conscious about how we're, how we are viewing, how, how we are creating our world. And, and thought is a, is a key part of how, how that happens, isn't it? 
And it's not the only component, but that's where I think that awareness of thoughts and thinking is, is, is so powerful. It can have this, maybe, maybe you've had this experience, you just, oh. And it's like that moment of, oh, thinking that is, is like this just, oh, there was suffering, now there isn't. And I know it's not always that quick and easy and tidy, but you know, the difference that that makes is, is huge. And in that, in that moment, it's like, it's almost like the thought or the thoughts or the story have been creating the world in which we are existing. And then, oh, like realizing, realizing it is that you're, you're outside that thought world. I don't know where you are instead but anyway there's there's some perspective isn't there there's some sense of relativizing I don't know if that's the right word but I find myself it's like oh so so seeing how that that is freeing we are in that moment kind of freed from how one of the ways we 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 are creating or constructing or imagining the world so two, two quotes from uh, Buddha, from the Dhammapada. Um, we are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts we make our world. This is so important, isn't it? It's on so many levels. Like we can see, perhaps in our own minds, the kinds of you know thought or the, the world that gets created through the way we think, and then we can see, you know, how much devastation and and um, destruction of of people and animals and the earth that happens through through thought forms that that develop a kind of view or a sense of the world that um, allows for um, that to happen and so so how can we yeah this again I don't want to go so much into this in this in this talk but that if we're going to can sort of construct or think a world into being you know maybe that is actually we can you know what kind of world do we want to create with our thoughts hmm yeah um but that there's power in that and I, I think of the great visionaries you know through history who have shown that this incredibly important um principle of of um, vision and imagination being part of what uh, brings uh, brings something new, something better, something different into being. I think that's a very interesting part of how we might consider the, the usefulness, the importance of thought. Um, yeah. So, so the, the another another bit from the the Dhammapada. The thought manifests as the word. The word manifests as the deed. The deed develops into habit. And habit hardens into character. 
So watch the thought and its ways with care and let it spring from love, born out of concern for all beings. Yeah, so so one one way we might, you know, find ourselves practicing that with the meta practice, I think, is a you know a a way of um, kind of yeah, kind of encouraging thoughts, thought forms that that lead to um, helpful deeds and so on that have this beneficial effect in our in our life and in the lives of others. Yeah. So I'd like to share. Um, I can already tell I'm not going to get through all this, but never mind. Um, three, three ways of that that we might support awareness of thought, and um, I can do the first two quite quite. I won't spend too too long on them. That some of you who were here yesterday morning, kind of very, very in a way basic, simple <clears throat> instruction, but I find it so effective. And, um, you know, every time I practice in this way, it just, there's, there's just for that time, a kind of, like, illumination of, of, of some of the thinking. So simply settling, you know, with some anchor, seeing, hearing, the body, whichever. And then having the intention to notice thoughts. So I've been practicing this while walking. It's been really... Just kind of being with the body, seeing, hearing, and then and just setting that up a little bit, and then just noticing sort of thoughts. And so the first uh, suggestion is that we then just noting thinking. So just that simple, and then just coming back to walking, seeing, hearing. And uh, and then the second, which is really this sort of the same structure, is then thinking about. So you establish the, the anchor. Oh, I've forgotten number four, actually, which is maybe the most important one, which is to come back to your anchor. <laughs> right. Oops. Yeah, come back, come back. Come back to your notes. Um, yeah, so even maybe that experience of getting a bit carried away with the thought forms coming into speech. Come back to your body, seeing, hearing. Yes. So establishing a, an, a, you know, some anchor and then having the intention to, ah, oh, interest in catching or... Maybe somebody I was talking to today, yesterday, said, it's, you know, I gave the image of the sitting by the, the, um, the, the chipmunk hole and waiting for the, the thought to pop up. And this person said this, it's for her, and maybe for many of us at times, it's more like a waterfall, <laughs> a sort of torrent. Um, I thought, yeah, yeah, it is sometimes like that. And uh, she said, and very helpful image of, like, imagine you're standing behind the waterfall. And then it's like... Pouring along, yeah. So again, sort of images can be helpful, yeah. 
um, and then coming back. So the thinking about, I found this incredibly helpful because it would identify, you know, some of the, ah, you know, right, thinking about retreatants. I I found out that's one of my big topics, thinking about you all. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, Thinking about tasks. I realized that was a big one. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I've got to do that and then that. I'll go, mm, yeah. Um, so, so I don't know what they would be for you, but so helpful. And, and seeing some of the same ones. And then um, I realized that there's a whole group which are basically fearful. Fearful, kind of. That was another helpful thinking about... Um, what could go wrong? <laughs> That's a big one for me, I think. think. Which is then scary somehow. Yeah. So so it's felt so helpful. You know, I've done this in the past and just to be able to um, sort of name some of those primary patterns. And again, it's relativized. It's like, ah. Because some of those habitual patterns can feel, can't they, just so like, well, that's just me. That's just who I am. I think about that kind of thing. You know, it's just that's what it does. And it's always done that. <laughs> and it begins to sort of maybe create some more space. And, and even just in that moment of acknowledging that, it's like, ah, oh, I noticed while I was doing this a few days ago that as I continued doing it, the lichen on the trees got greener. It's like, whoa. It's like, whoa. Cool. Yeah. That, that as that, so just to me, I see that as just that whole thinking thing starts to calm down a little bit, be seen. It's just part of the whole thing. It's like, ah. Oh. And there's, there's, there's more uh, sense of the whole, maybe that's possible. So I also wanted to share what I've, I've, I also find, I like going digging, digging around for things. And I found, a, I really like this teaching from Patrick Kearney, who's a teacher in Australia. So I want to share, share this three questions. So isn't there that sense of what I'm talking about is a kind of mindfulness and investigation, isn't it? It's sort of like both, it's of the awareness and then it's like, this um, quality of, hmm, what's, what's that about? You know, the topic. So we're already into Dhamma Vichaya there, aren't we? You know, And then we come back to the just knowing and like that. But what he, 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 um, he gave these three questions. And actually, I, I wasn't going to share the first one, but it made me laugh out loud when he shared it. So I thought I might share it. It's, just, it's not really a practice instruction, but so... A, you know, in terms of kind of getting into supporting this uh, wise relationship with thought, he said, "Right, first exercise: stop thinking." You know, and and then he actually let it run for like about a minute and a half, and I just might he said it, and I just burst out laughing. You know, so um, don't know what that. It's exactly so it's just like it's laughable. So yeah, stop thinking. So 
yeah, anyway, that was quite funny. But it's not really... A, although he said, he did say that um, he had found one person in all his teaching years who actually did it and then somehow had the tap, you know, turned the tap off and then for the rest of the exercise was very troubled because she couldn't turn it on again. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nice problem to have? Anyway. So, um, again, so we might, as... Anyway, let me go through these, because how do I know I'm thinking? How do I I recognize it? So again, can you hear, not like to rush off and think about it, but like if I would just shut up for a minute, you might, (laughs) maybe there would be some thoughts. You see, do they arise as visual images, or is it more aural, you know, sound, or... Is it is it does it is it like a sensation? You know how how do you know you're thinking? So, and if you already noticed anything, that when I did this, I realized it it was like, sometimes there were images, sometimes a lot of the time for me, I realized it was a voice, and it was actually somewhere over here, which is another one of his questions, is where do you think? I just love this. (laughs) Where is it? (laughs) Where is it? Does it have a location? Is there no location? Does it sometimes feel like it's coming from over there? Uh, sometimes it feels like it's coming from over there. Or, you know, where does it does it where does it come from? Where does it go? So again, not not and and my sense of doing this is like it's one it's like a kind of koan or something. You're not necessarily going to find the answer, but in a way, the answer is the looking. And the not finding. This was what I found quite fun. And and then just occasionally I'd realise, oh, it's kind of that seems to be an area. <laughs> kind of around there somewhere. And we're like, oh. You know, and then and another question he has, which is, what does thinking feel like? And and you probably this is a wonderful question, I think. It's um don't some thoughts feel like a kick in the stomach? I mean, I know that's putting it rather strongly, but, you know, it's like, oh. Um, or it feels like a, like the touch of the sun on your skin. So, Or it feels like a blessing. Or a thought can feel like, a, yeah, like a medicine. If you have, you know, when you think a thought, you think, oh, great, thank goodness. You know, like that was a helpful thought to have, feel some relief about something. How does it feel? And on a very subtle level, I think this is very helpful. Like this, almost like the very, sometimes when the mind is very quiet and still, you can get a sense of the very uh, subtle sense of the energy of, of, of thought, almost as it's forming or even before it, it forms. 
I don't know if you have, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm deluding myself, but I sometimes feel like there's a kind of um, mental, I don't know, it doesn't really have a location, like a, a very subtle energy. There's like, it's just waiting. It's just waiting <laughs> for a little contact for it to go, oh, next week. You know, this is, and but actually, there's this sort of almost just this, this, it's just like a potential, just like energy. And I feel like sometimes that through the calming, that side of the meditation, it's like learning to rest in that just, you know, potential. And then, oh, you know, something, or something bubbles up, or, yeah, again, that's another image. So I do want to get to at least one sutta before the end of this, so that kind of leads me on. So this might be the one and only bit of a sutta, but it, it sort of follows on, I think, quite nicely. And these are three suttas that probably a lot of you are very familiar with, I don't know, but they're in the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle length discourses of the Buddha, and there are three in a row about thinking and thought. So I wanted to touch on them. So all three of them are wonderful, great source of um, instruction and illumination. Um, but yeah, I can. I won't. I won't go through all of it. But you can check it out. Uh, the first one is called the Honey Ball. It's number eighteen, and then number nineteen and number twenty, um, also on 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 thoughts. So let's see. I won't, I, yeah, the whole sutta is wonderful. Okay, so I'll I'll just read um, in this in this in this sutta the we you know well, the Buddha gives a very pithy teaching, and then some of the the bhikkhus and the practitioners come around and say and ask who's it they're asking they ask um, Mahakachana. I said, what was he talking about? I didn't understand that. You know, could you explain it? <laughs> so he does and then checks with the Buddha and the Buddha said, yeah, you did good. You, did, you got it right. No. So I'll just read the, what the Buddha said and then I'll just read a little bit of, what, of how Mahakachana explained it to the bhikkhus. Um, and then you can, you can um, follow up and look at it if you want. But this... I think I wanted particularly to include this because, um, so you have the awareness of thought as thought, right, which is what I've been emphasizing so far. But what this does is it, it starts to open up the process, right, the dynamics, the kind of sense of different conditions coming together to create experience and how thought is a a, a kind of key component in the arising of experience and the rising of, of dukkha. And so it can be a way, uh, the awareness of thought can be one of the ways of kind of breaking that up, you know, of kind of taking the wind out of its sails, so to speak. So that the, pro- the process of experience being built and how the, the part that thought plays in that um, 
Yeah, so, okay, I'll just read you these two pieces. So this is the Buddha. As to the source through which perceptions and notions tinged by mental proliferation beset a person, if there is nothing there, if, if there is nothing found there to delight in, to welcome and hold to, this is the end of the underlying tendency to lust, of the underlying tendency to aversion, of the underlying tendency to views, of the underlying tendency to doubt, of the underlying tendency to conceit, of the underlying tendency to desire for being, of the underlying tendency to ignorance. This is the end of resorting to rods and weapons, of quarrels, brawls, disputes, recrimination, malice and false speech. Here these unwholesome states cease without remainder. So this is what the Buddha left everybody with. You are like, what? It's like, wow. <laughs> so, so this is part of what um, Mahakachina, how he teaches. And I, I am particularly picking this out like as um, a practice of either at the moment or through reflecting back what is the contact that gives rise to that bull, right? And that is just even retrospectively, I think, so, so helpful to kind of, uh, to, to see and know that happening. Again, this is a process. And with thought that can feel so personal, that part, a big part of what this is doing, this investigating, being aware of, is um, helping us to see there's a process here which is, which is not personal, which is, which is kind of, it's going to be somewhat similar for everybody. And it points to the process, right, rather than the content. And it's that understanding of the, of the process which is freeing. Right, the understanding of the content maybe sometimes can be helpful, but um, it's seeing it's seeing and understanding the process of it that's really um, just that insight work of of uh, um, yeah shifting our relationship to it all. Okay, so here's the the. So using the example of, of, of uh, seeing in this case. Dependent on the eye and forms, eye consciousness arises. The meeting of the three is contact. With contact as condition, there is feeling. What one feels, one perceives. What one perceives, that one thinks about. What one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. With what one has mentally proliferated as the source, perceptions and notions tinged by mental proliferation beset a person with regard to past, future and present forms cognizable through the eye. 
So again, I know it's a lot to take in and, and, and you can go back to look at this. Um, but just again, as a, as a, If we can, if we can begin to see that that contact that gives rise to the contact with the feeling that ah, the thought comes, and 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 maybe you 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 know maybe this is very familiar to you as a practice, and and again in a way it's not complicated, but it's um it's very. It's very specific, isn't it? It's a kind of precise kind of moment and not so easy to catch, but really, really worth um, the patience. I don't know about you, but I think some of the most important sort of, uh, you could say, insight experiences is is this, is um, seeing the nature of thought. Yeah. And maybe then you never quite, you're never quite as completely uh, lost in it, or not for so, quite so long. Yeah. Ah. Oh, well. Just maybe a couple more things, and then I'll draw this to a close. And if you're interested in the in that sutta or the other ones, it's the middle length sayings, um, suttas, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. So, so much of our life, it feels to me like on retreat, there's a kind of reclamation of our life, a reclamation of the body, of the heart, um, of our belonging, you know, on the earth as part of creation. And a reclamation of of this great power, you know, of the of the human mind to think, and a kind of harnessing of it to the purposes of of good, the purposes of healing, and the purposes of kindness, the purposes of generosity, and yeah. That that um, so that so that yeah that that capacity can be put to good use and enjoyed you know, as, uh, rather than being something that we are you know that is just. Pushing us, pushing us around. So maybe we can uh, learn also to to acquire the taste for a quieter mind, and just gradually and at different times be able to to rest more in the, in the quietness. Um, and I think this awareness of thought, um, paradoxically, really helps with that. It's kind of counter, 
intuitive isn't in a way isn't it it's like surely if I pay attention to it it'll get more but that's not my experience it's actually it seems to help help it overall to reduce and there seems to be more space and more capacity to uh, yeah man- manage it I'll say Mathieu Ricard he wrote the inability to manage our thoughts proves to be the principal source of suffering so yeah, there's something very important here to to learn. So I'll, I'll close with a, a quotation that I love. I often share when I'm teaching about thoughts and thinking from Dilgo Kiense Rinpoche. Remember that a thought is only a fleeting conjunction of myriad factors. It does not exist by itself. Recognize its empty nature. It will immediately lose its power to elicit the next thought and the chain of delusion will be broken. Remember that a thought is only a fleeting conjunction of myriad factors. It does not exist by itself. Recognize its empty nature. It will immediately lose its power to elicit the next thought. And the chain of delusion will be broken. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.